episode 20 of SUPFM, and this week we have Tez Pleveniex from standuppaddlemag.co.uk, and that is, he's the editor of Stand Up Paddle Mag, and it's a proper magazine as well as an online magazine, so get over there and check it out. But uh, Tez has been surfing since inception of stand-up paddling in the UK, and he knows his oats, so he shares some wonderful insights in this interview. Aloha and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Now, if you're wondering where Simon is, he's still there in the background producing every single episode. So thanks to you, Simon. We'd like to uh, get you more out to the front line of action here, but that'll happen soon. Okay, um, we're delving into the areas of stand-up paddle surfing, and in particular, through beginner's eyes. So what we're going to do with Tez is we're going to chat to him about six different topics. First of all, we chat a little bit about Tez, where he comes from. Secondly, we talk a little bit about uh, stand-up paddle surfboards and the different sizes and, and variables that you can have these days. We also talk about paddles. Um, and the fourth subject we chat about is if you're actually sitting there at your local surf break, what do you see? What do you look out for? What you've got to be aware of? The fifth thing is how to paddle out and get over foamies. And the sixth is actually taking the wave, bottom turning, etc., etc. So without further ado, here's Tez Plaviniex. Hi, Tez. It's great to have you back on SUP FM. Thanks for stopping by. Hi, Nick. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me back. Always good to be part of something like this. Happy to be here. Excellent. I just, um, let's just recap a little bit about yourself. So when were you a beginner surfer? Um, well, I actually started surfing traditionally, i.e. prone surfing, back when I was you know, knee-high to a grasshopper, around five years old, I think it was. I've actually been in the water more or less since day one. My parents have always been sort of in and around the sea and, and sort of various stretches of waterways close to where I grew up. We were always sort of playing by, so they always thought it was a good idea that we could at least swim. Um, and with my dad also sort of being involved in surfing, not to any sort of great lengths, just as a sort of casual participant, um, it sort of rubbed off on me and my brother. And when we used to go on holidays, we were always in the water, first on bodyboards, then learning how to stand up on bodyboards, uh, then progressing to surfboards. Um, following on from that, um, it was then windsurfing, and then obviously stand-up paddleboarding later on. So when did you first get into stand-up paddle surfing, more or less? Um, more from from the beginning, really. That was that was the whole point of you know me getting involved in stuff. It, it was to ride waves. You know, I mean, where I live, sort of on Hailing Island. Um, we have a sandbar, we have two sandbars actually, but we have a sandbar that everybody tends to migrate towards for waves and, and that's for windsurfing, kitesurfing and stand-up paddleboarding. And I remember standing on the beach one day looking out to the sandbar, watching perfect sets roll down the sandbar, but there was no wind. And I was thinking, you know what, it would be great to get out there on a surfboard, um, but the problem with hailing is is that it's so tidal like the amount of water that moves around is is, is pretty phenomenal really um so i wasn't i wasn't really that keen to paddle out on a surfboard because i thought well you know there's every chance i'm going to get myself into some trouble here um 
then SUP came along and I thought, ah, actually, I've got an added form of propulsion here, the paddle. That kind of makes more sense. Maybe there's something in this. And a few sessions later, you know, after learning the, you know, the, the sort of basics, the fundamentals of stand-up paddling on the flats, myself and a friend paddled out to the sandbar on a small day and basically just got involved. Um, and in the end, the sandbar and hailing has turned out to be a really good sup wave. So excellent. I mean, I'm pretty much the same wave. as I'm pretty much the same as you. I mean, I used to surf since I was 14, um, traditional surfing, and then the minute I started stand-up paddle surfing, I just realised that I could take 10 times more wave than I could trying to patrol around on my little small shortboard. So yeah, I haven't absolutely. looked back. Absolutely. Yeah, but as the editor of um, of Sup Mag, reviewing sup surfboards must be quite challenging how do you do it yeah it is a little bit tricky i mean again like i said you you've, you've got um sort of huge tides around here which really sort of affects the surf in in big ways um plus on top of that you've obviously got you know the fact that you need swell and obviously wind directions and all that kind of thing so you've really got to be on it you know, and, and I have to be on it more than most. I have to sort of get down to the beach when it looks good for specific types of equipment. Sometimes it's good for, you know, performance orientated stand up paddle boards. Sometimes it's better for longer boards. Other times I have to travel, you know, to locations close by me, which I'm fortunate I have a few to call on. Or alternatively, because we do sort of have flat spots here on the south coast. I mean, this isn't Cornwall, this isn't Devon or Wales or, or Ireland. So at those points, I have to travel to the southwest generally um, and go to where the surf is actually consistent, which is fine, you know. I mean, there's not a problem with that. Um, yeah. It just can be quite time-consuming, the whole testing thing, particularly surfboards, you know, mm. touring boards, race boards, downwind boards, all round stand up paddleboards, not so much of an issue, but yeah, with 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 surf ups, yeah, you have to be on it with the forecast. You have to know the area. You have to know all the little local sort of nuances that affect the conditions, and you have to just be really on it at the end of the day. And and it can be it can give you a headache, uh, but likewise, when you score a decent session like earlier on this morning, it's all worthwhile. So it it definitely pays off in the end. Well, it's nice to know that you're surfing this morning. That's fantastic. So, but it's a perfect yeah, segue to it. talk I'll get about. Yeah, pretty uh... much most days. I I, I have to get it <laughs> pretty much most days, um, because of the amount of kit that I've got, and and like I say, you, you just have to be on it. That's not that's not to say that I'm out all day. It just might be for an hour in the morning, maybe an hour at lunchtime. Um, yeah, but most days I'm pretty much on it really. So, Sounds like the perfect lifestyle. Wonderful to get that kind of balance into your day. Again, it can be quite frustrating because, like I say, you can you can study all the weather charts, tidal charts, you know, all of that stuff. You can absorb until you're blue in the face. But ultimately, until you go down the beach, you don't know what the conditions are really going to be like. Uh, and you could have an all-time forecast and you turn up and, and it's still not quite what you expected. And you have, may have had a plan in mind to test, say, for instance, you know, sub eight foot, 100 litre boards or something like that. Um, but the conditions just, they're not, it's not, it's not good enough for, for, the, for that kind of kit. 
so you have to change your plans mm. and like i say you know i've only got so much space in the van <laughs> so i kind of tend to carry as much as i possibly can with me at all times so i've covered all my bases but still sometimes you find yourself on the wrong kit and it can, it can be a bit frustrating but yeah at the same time i'm not complaining it's all good <laughs> Sure, but I think, Tez, you're in quite a, a privileged position because you get the choice of so many boards. If we can put ourselves in an average person's uh, mind and they're sitting around just thinking about how to buy a surfboard, which which sub-surfboard do you reckon they should get to get into it? I mean, obviously it varies for the person and there's a whole different bunch of variables involved here, but more or less, what do you suggest, like a normal 10-6 yeah, I mean, all, all round boards, you know, the board that you've generally learnt, probably learnt on. Um, so like you say, 10-6, as you say, there are there are lots of factors that come into play, body weight, skill set, the type of conditions that you aspire to ride, the type of conditions that you actually end up riding in, um, all of those factors. But yeah, to start with, you want something that's going to give you a decent amount of stability, but also a decent amount of manoeuvrability because and, and that's not just on the wave either that's that's being able to get yourself out of situations um you know if you find yourself in the impact zone or or you know with waves bearing down on you you need to be able to get out of that situation not put other people in sort of danger or or, or anything like that and then when you're on the wave like i say you need to have something that's going to allow you to progress onto maybe if that's your thing that is i mean some people don't don't want to progress which is fine but the majority tend to want to learn how to bottom turn properly then they'll want to learn how to sort of do various other moves and a board that will allow that progression is, is a good move um so like i say an all-round round nose you know 10-6 or something like that would be a good option uh to start with but then you've got to make sure that you're not taking on conditions that are more than you can handle as well. So you're not going to be aiming for massive waves and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, you want to take it one step at a time, really, to start with. Because if, yeah, I mean, if you look at sub surfboards these days, it's going a bit crazy. I mean, see, I'm not sure how small some of the top guys are going, but I saw a photograph of Kyle Henny the other day, and I think he was actually standing on his surfboard. But it kind of looked like he was Probably. standing on a stand-up paddleboard because he was up to his knees in it. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, to... you know, you, you've got you've got to think when you when you watch the pro guys, so, you know, ripping it up and, and whatever. They, first of all, they're all young bucks. That's 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 the main thing. And if you look at the physique of these, you know, essentially kids, for want of a better term. I mean, they're, they're not. Some are, you know, well into their twenties, but. You know, they're all pretty young. They're all very live. There's not an ounce of body fat on these guys. They've been born into the water since day one. They all ride a variety of different ocean-going craft, you know, be that stand-up paddleboards, surfboards, windsurfboards, kiteboards, whatever. They're all at home in big surf, small surf, medium surf, point breaks, beach breaks, whatever you want to sort of throw at them, they can handle so they've developed the skills and they've got the light body weight body mass to be able to paddle these stupidly small boards that are super performance orientated but for the majority they're just they're just no go 
I mean, you know, I'm 85 kilograms, and my limit, if you like, is around the same uh, sort of in litres, um, probably getting on for about 28 wide, 28 centimetres wide. Um, 28 inches wide? You know, you... you you, sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry, not sending me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've, yeah, no, that would be stupid. Um, you've you've just got to you've got to be realistic. You, if if you're sort of aiming for that, aspiring for that, then you need to ask yourself the question: Are you light enough to be able to paddle that kind of equipment once you get there? Once you've developed the skills. If you're not, don't get hung up on it. You know, it, it's fine. You can still get as much performance out of a, a nine-two, for instance, um, if you've got the skills, if you understand how to use your paddle, and that's the key. Obviously, this is paddle surfing we're talking about, not not surfing. Um, you can still eke out as much performance as you as you need, you know, to have fun, and and that's the main thing as well. It's about having fun, you know. Exactly. Um... And just talking about paddles quickly, um, obviously you can get a, a wide variety of different kinds of paddles and blade sizes and whatnot. Do you use a different paddle for surfing as you would to just touring or racing? Yeah, I I I, I definitely go shorter on the on the shaft length simply because that allows me to hunker down on takeoff and put in some real powerful strokes to get me into the wave. Generally, because I do as much as as much as I end up testing a load of different kit, my personal kit, if you like, is on that limit of of being too low volume, low width to actually float me because I want the maneuverability. So I need the power to be able to pull me into the wave to start off with, and if I can crouch down, hunker down, and stick in some real sort of deep, powerful strokes, a shorter shaft length will allow me to do that. Um, I do also tend to go a little bit, which, which this probably goes against the grain for the majority of people's thinking, but I tend to err towards slightly wider blades, simply because that allows me to scoop more water. So again, I get more power, you know, but that's just me. That might sure. not necessarily suit everybody. A lot of guys tend to go for the narrower blade shape because they can get a higher straight rate. So essentially, they're achieving the same thing that I'm trying to, they're just doing it with more strokes. So I'm trying to achieve that with less strokes, mainly because I'm lazy, um, and also because I'm I'm a, I'm a more powerful bloke, if you like. I'm I'm slightly bigger. Like I say, I'm 85 kilograms. I've got fairly big shoulders, and I actually find it easier on my body, on my joints, to actually dig deeper and give fewer but more powerful strokes than sort of quicker slightly less powerful strokes if that makes sense sure yeah but what about um material would you um would you always use like 100 percent fiber in the surf because obviously a lot more forces acting on the paddle in the surf and it's a lot more sporadic than a consistent stroke rate when you're racing or, or touring yeah for sure absolutely um I, I, to be honest with you I'd, I'd always go for carbon i mean whatever i do i tend to want to go for carbon i i don't yet Thing there's an I mean some people would probably argue the case but for for me I haven't found a paddle you know sort of with a mix or of fiberglass 
or, or whatever other materials you want to choose that give me the performance that a, a good quality carbon paddle would, would give me. I also prefer slightly stiffer shafts so as soon as I'm, I'm paddling you know the feedback is instant, the power delivery is almost instant. Some people would probably like a slightly flexier shaft so it's not putting as much strain on their shoulders and, and sort of back muscles but again that's 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 a, a sort of personal thing and, and only you only arrive at these conclusions after you've spent a bit of time testing different kit and, and sort of trying it out in different conditions then you'll know what works for you and what doesn't mm. some of the guys who, who live sort of close to me and surf at the same spots um, there's, there's two I've got in mind. They really like fiberglass paddles um, because of the feel that it actually gives you in the surf. Like I say, that's absolutely fine. But personally, I'd always go carbon and, and, and as light a carbon as I can possibly get my hands on at the sure. end of the day. You know, I just think that's it, it. You just get more out of your session, or I get more out of my session by using a carbon paddle. Okay, so talking about sessions, imagine, imagine you're going out for your first session. You've mastered up the carriage and you're standing out looking at your local break. What insights yeah. do you have for the first-timer? Like I say, you don't want to be choosing you know, conditions that are beyond your capabilities. So if you've never, ever had a session in waves before, you want to choose a really, really mellow day. And you want to make sure that the location you're in isn't crowded. There's, there's not loads of other water users around. You want as quiet a spot as you possibly can. The thing with stand-up paddleboarding is, as, as most sort of you know long-term paddlers will appreciate, a stand-up paddleboard will catch even the smallest of waves. So even an ankle biter, you will get the feeling of surfing on. There's nothing wrong with trying, you know, ankle slapping waves for your first wave session. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And then building yourself up over a period of time, you know, rushing into overhead, double overhead conditions is probably not hmm. not the uh, not the right way uh, to probably not. <laughs> but sorry, you can know, I just interject quickly? Sorry, Tez, just interject quickly. When you're talking about ankle biters, um, just a little word of caution for the first timer as well. When people get out into the ocean, just please make sure that you don't hold the board in front of you between you and the wave. Because I've seen Absolutely. so many people, so many people this summer, um, as I've been doing my my tours down here in, in Algarve, and they just don't realize the power of a small wave. It can pick up this huge, big 11-foot board and slap it straight on you, and uh, it can be quite sore. Yeah, absolutely. When you're walking out into the surf, your board should always be to one side of you. If you have to turn uh, towards the beach, which inevitably you will do at some point, it's always wave, body, board, not wave, board, body in that order. Because like you say, it will just pick the board up, smack it into you. Or worse, what can happen is it can push the board into you and the rails can go up into your ribs, into your rib cage, And that can end up quite painful, um, you know, and 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 worse. I mean, I've I've seen people break ribs um, doing that kind of thing before. Um, mm. Also, as well, kind of really should go without saying, but I will say it is wear a leash, you know, and not a coiled leash. Wear a surf, exactly. a strong, well-manufactured surf leash. 
the last thing you want is a marauding 10 foot 6 11 foot board belting through the lineup taking out you know other beginners or, or, or other water users where release and also as well on that on that point where possible don't just let your board go if you if you have to you have to and and okay the power of the ocean is stronger than the paddler and it may be that your board gets ripped out of your hands that's fine but where possible hold on to your board and and don't just let it flail about behind you because again if people are paddling out behind you or people are learning and they're in the white water behind you they don't want this guillotine of a board sort of trying to swipe at their heads or whatever you know it, it safety is is a big concern with anybody going into the surf for the first time because there's a lot to learn and and i appreciate that you know it, it, it's a steep learning curve and you won't know it all to start with but use your common sense that's 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 the that's the biggest thing Mm. And um, just a little thing about leashes. Would you suggest a, a shorter leash rather than a longer leash, just so you can try and keep your board under control? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. It's again. There's, t there's probably two schools of thought on that. When you when you're um, sort of learning to surf, you know, you'll probably be when you take off on a wave and, and you are actually up and riding a wave. You'll probably be further towards the nose on the board, and a shorter leash that sort of doesn't give you any leeway um you know might not be the best idea but at the same time i appreciate a longer leash if your board does part company from you for whatever reason is more likely then to sort of cause injury or damage to somebody behind you um the main thing is just get a leash that's strong um you know if you walk into your your local uh, stand-up paddleboard retailer, they'll be able to point you in the right direction. The last thing you want is a real naff leash, if you like, that snaps the first time you use it. Um, yeah. You want you want something that's definitely strong for sure. And that's not just the leash itself; that's the actual uh, Velcro part that goes around your ankle and the retainer, the little piece of cord that fits on the back of the board into the leash plug. That the leash then attaches to you know it's it's important that you get that uh, sort of strong as well it's no good just putting a bit of string on there and hoping for the best because it will just snap as simple as that mm. exactly so if we're going back to our, our, our guy or our, our person standing at the local surf break for the first time yeah. um, obviously we really need to look at look at the actual surf break and see where the rips are where the channels are and try and you know, just assimilate the way the water is moving. Yes, absolutely. It's it's a difficult thing to read the sea, particularly if you've never had any experience on it before. Like I say, when you're learning, the best thing to do is choose the smaller conditions. Smaller conditions generally means you have less water moving around. You mentioned rips. Rips can can be lethal. They can also be your best friend if you know what you're doing because they can help you get out the back almost like being on an elevator people you may hear people talking about dry hair paddle outs on big days rips can help that but likewise they can also cause problems if you don't know what you're doing um i think you know anybody who's looking to go it alone might find a better solution in having a lesson you know these guys who teach surfing and there are plenty around um 
we'll be able to give you all of the necessary knowledge that you need to sort of take your uh, take your surfing to the next level. Um, and they'll they'll be able to point you the hazards out as you're standing on the beach, and slowly you'll become you'll you'll get in the groove of being able to identify those hazards yourself. You know, such as rips and and sort of because rips don't just flow out to sea; they can flow along the shore. You know, and and yet different types. And it, it, again, it can be quite an in-depth topic in its own right. Um, so yeah, it's best to get some some knowledge from people who are already experienced. And in that instance, just get a lesson. You know, a, le a lesson is the easiest route to sort of get you on the road to you know ripping in the surf at the end of the day. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic advice. It really is good advice because, um, you know, if you're not going out with a buddy or somebody, yeah, go and get a go and get a lesson from your local pro. I think it's it's very important. Yeah, but um, so now paddling out and, and getting out to the back is and, and how to get through broken waves is obviously quite different on a stand up paddle uh, surfboard as opposed to a normal little shortboard, which you can just duck under waves. And to be honest, um, Something that I've been loving, been meaning to ask you, Tez, is is we've been we just did a, a trip across the Algarve with um, a lot of gear on on twelve foot six boards, and yeah. one day the the surf it wasn't huge it was like you know four foot but uh, four to five foot, but because it was onshore it was very difficult for us to get out and actually we couldn't get out because of these packs on our board, um, so obviously that's a little little bit of a different thing to sub surfing it's more expedition. Um, um, paddling and, and trying to get through broken waves like that was impossible. We actually had to walk along uh, a long way along the beach before we could we could get out. So, have yeah, you got any tips about how to get out with packs on your board? Well, actually, you've 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 just hit the nail on the head there. That, you know, if you, if you if you can't get out, find walk up and down the beach. <laughs> have, it, <laughs> might, it might be it might be a little bit you know tiresome if you like, but you never know what you can't see at the spot you're trying to paddle out you walk down the beach 300 400 yards and suddenly you can you know there's a channel or, or, or a gap in the sets or something like that what you know how whatever sort of topography there is at your local spot it might be that there's a way to get out and let's be honest you know on a stand-up paddleboard it doesn't matter if you have to paddle a little bit of distance to get to the takeoff so walking 300 yards down the beach to where it's easy to get out back and then paddling up to the peak, fine, do it. You know, that, that's, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Make life easy for yourself. Don't try and battle Mother Nature because ultimately you won't win. Mother, Na Mother Nature will be the one that comes out on top. You know, it's as simple as that. Mm. Um, there are always ways to get out at any spot no matter how big it actually is. A lot of getting out back, and I get asked this question all the time, people say, how the hell do you get out back on big days like that? A lot of it is, comes down to your mindset, you know, and believing that you can actually get over this white water coming towards you. Um, obviously, there is a degree of technique involved as well. It's the same with windsurfing. You know, I, I'm a windsurfer. If I'm, if I'm floating out, you know, on a on a sort of marginal wind day to, to, to go wave sailing, it's the same thing. It's like, how do you get out? How do you get out? Self-belief is a lot of it. Um, with a stand-up paddleboard, you're fortunate in that you're already elevated, so you can see how much of this white water you've got to get over, how many waves are in the set, 
so you know what you've got to prepare yourself for. Waves come in sets in 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 you know numbers if that makes sense. If you're not sure what a set is, that's homework that you need to look up and and sort of find out about because again that's all knowledge that will benefit you in the long run. Um, but if 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 you if waves are coming in, the best thing to do is wait for a lull and then try and paddle out because again that's giving you a fighting chance. It's it's definitely harder work if you're trying to paddle out as a whole train of surf is coming in um, and the best course of action is to wait for the last wave in the set before you launch and then paddle if you still and paddle have, like yeah, hell sorry say again and paddle like hell yeah exactly yeah that's the other thing yeah don't hang around yeah sort of tickling the water with your paddle and, and sort of having a leisurely sort of chat with your mate on the way out well you, you you're going to get mown down it's as simple as that you want to get out back get out back you know paddle like a race paddle would it's as simple as that um it might be as well that you'll still have to get over white water in which case you stand back into in your surf stance you look at the wave head on grit your teeth tell the white water that it's not going to win put some really powerful strokes in and you almost try and bunny hop over the wave if that makes sense so as the sort of white water comes towards you you're trying to lift the nose just slightly up so it floats over the white water as you put a really strong powerful stroke in to kick the tail up and pull you over the top of that white water you may have to do it again you may have to do it a third time you may have to do it a fourth time but with self-belief powerful strokes a dynamic stance Eventually, you'll get the, the you'll get the technique for getting out, and you'll be surprised how big you surf you can actually get out in. You know, there is yeah. always a limit. Like you wouldn't paddle out at Jaws, for instance, and expect to get over white water there. Um, but <laughs> you know, you the, 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 the you'd be surprised. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in paddling out on a six to eight foot day and still being able to get over the white water. You know, it, it, and it's it immensely satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it's immensely satisfying when you when you do know that technique, isn't it? Um, another technique that I've heard chaps talking about is um, if it does get too big and you've got a six to eight foot closeout just right on your nose. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about this, Taz, but if you actually just kick the board out in front of you, dive backwards underneath the wave and try and gather the board on the other side, um, occasionally that may work. But um, yeah, going on your knees is, is just not going to work, is it? Because you just collect the full force of the wave in your body. <laughs> yeah, in your face, basically. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I subscribe to the Dave Kalama method, which is if you've got a wave that's bearing down on you, it's particularly hollow. There's no way out of the situation. You know, you're not going to be able to paddle over it. What do you do? Paddle at it. It's as simple as that. Paddle, paddle at it, full power, and try and time it that you can sort of jump either through it or over it um, there's a whole load of things that can still go wrong you know if, if your board is behind you as you jump over the wave and the wave essentially detonates on your board essentially it's just going to drag you backwards and probably pull you back into the impact zone um, there's no right or wrong way but the the the, the sort of main thing is make sure there's nobody behind you if there are people behind you I'm sorry but suck it up and take it like a man you, you know 
surfing is is as much about getting beat downs as anything else. So if you're going to get pasted by a wave, get pasted by a wave. Don't take your mate out by bailing your board. Hmm. If you if you're really good, you mentioned Kai Lenny uh, a while ago, and some of the some of the uh, the pro guys sort of do this kind of thing. I I'm, I can't do it, but they paddle for the wave and almost duck dive, but with still standing up, if that makes sense. So they pierce the wave with their board, put a stroke in, and actually go through the wave, sort of standing up, but in a crouched position. So essentially, they've performed a duck dive style manoeuvre, uh, but relevant to stand-up paddleboarding. There's a hell of a lot of technique involved in that. And like I say, yeah. I've tried it a few times, and it's always ended in tears. So <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting. I've never heard of that. Sounds good. Let's check it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've got out to the back and we're sitting out in the lineup. Um, I don't think, I don't know, maybe we should go through some, just about dropping in. I think everybody who, who ventures out into the surf should know surf etiquette and, yeah. and not to drop in on people. But but um, have you got any insights for people just taking the wave itself, bottom turning and, and eventually getting into a cutback? Yeah, and when you... So yeah, like you say, surf, surf etiquette is, is, a, is a big thing. It's funny actually, just on that point, I remember sort of when startup paddleboarding first came around, you know, when I first got into it and, you know, the industry guys were very quick to jump on, on the fact that we can't be, you know, annoying surfers by dropping in and taking all their waves and all this kind of thing and, and showing, you know, no respect and, and having no understanding of surf etiquette. It's actually surprising these days. Stand-up paddle surfers generally and maybe... I'm going to get shot down in flames for saying this, but everywhere I go, I see wave riders. Stand-up paddleboarders are some of the most respectful people in the water I've ever seen. It's exactly what I've come across as well. Yeah, I think it comes down to the fact that it was drummed home from the early days about surf etiquette and, and not being a nuisance and an annoyance in the lineup. So, yeah, if you are going in the surf, definitely understand surf etiquette and, and, and adhere to those rules. In terms of sort of picking up a wave, getting a wave, you know, you are, you ideally want to be paddling for a wave as it's starting to form, starting to jack up, as there's a face starting to appear. You know, you're starting to get a vertical wall. And, and it's a timing thing. You know, if you're too far in front of the wave, as you take off, it could be breaking already on top of you. If it's a hollow wave and that happens, it's going to pitch you forwards. You're going to go over the falls. Um, if you're too far back, then the wave will just pass right underneath you, um, and you and you won't have actually picked it up at all. So it's putting yourself in a position where, as you're paddling for the wave, it's starting to form, it's starting to jack up, and as you're putting in those last couple of strokes, and I always say put an extra two or three strokes in to make sure you've got the wave. As you're putting those last few strokes in. You're, you're already sliding down the wave face, you know, and like I say, it's just getting that timing right, and, and there's nothing I can say other than go out and practice that. One of the sort of problems that you see uh, stand-up paddle surfers, first-time stand-up paddle surfers having is falling off the back of their boards, that is, as, as the wave picks them up, and that's basically because they've got their trunk from their waist to their head too far towards the tail of the board. When you're paddling for the wave, it's important that you've got that dynamic stance 
so you're compact, you're tight, so your core is all tight, you know, you're not breaking at the core, um, you're giving it powerful strokes, your head is probably down, and, and you know, you're not tickling the water with your paddle, you, you're digging deep, you want to pick that wave, or you want to catch that wave. Um, and if you believe, again, self-belief, you know, if you believe that you can catch the wave, you probably will. Um, you know, it's just a case of commitment. Commit, 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 and, and you'll get that wave, no problem. And, and practice your timing by being out in the surf. It's as simple as that. There's Billabong coined the phrase, you know, only a surfer knows the feeling. This is absolutely true. You know, surfing as much as anything okay there's a degree of technique in it but a lot of it is feel and experience and the more you're out in the waves the better you will become it's as simple as that yeah i mean that's great advice that really is good um so because what i found personally as well it, you know when you get into the like the bigger boards sometimes i surf an 11 foot board which is uh, yeah. probably really long um you obviously got to walk the board. So when you pick up the wave, you got to walk to the nose to just get that extra thrust down the face. And then before you get to the bottom turn, you have to run back to the back of the board yep. so your nose doesn't dig in. Yeah, so yeah, that's absolutely. kind of a bit of fun. Absolutely. But that's not a bad thing. I, you know, I mean, sort of boards back when we all first started, sort of 05, 06, 07, around there, they were all longer boards, you know. And, and understanding what you're referring to there is board trim you know and, and how to ex make the board accelerate how to stall the board it's all good experience and technique that will serve you well as your career in stand-up paddle surfing progresses you know so it's not a bad thing and also as well it could be that your style of surfing suits that type of riding more you know walking the board is very uh uh, reflective of sort of nose riding, old school longboarding type surfing from back in the day. You know, there's still a bunch of aficionados out there now. You know, Joel Tudor from the States is, 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 is a good example. Uh, Bo Young, Nat, Nat Young's son, another one in this country, Ben Skinner, Sam Bleakley. You know, they're all sort of um, throwbacks, I suppose, to uh, days of yore where uh, you know walking up and down the board was was a style thing and and it can actually be some of the nicest surfing to watch when you watch somebody you know with that flow who walks the board and, and can make that board dance on a wave you know it can actually be a lot more uh, uh, fulfilling than uh, sort of rip shred tear type surfing which which seems to be the cool thing to do and I you know I, I'll not deny that I do like the rip shred tear stuff but I also do like you know the, the, the longboard nose riding style of, of surfing but learning how to walk the board is great because that will that will allow you to understand how your how your suck is working and just get you in that mindset of knowing how to trim your board because waves don't break the same along the length of a wave and at points the wave may flatten out at other points it may suddenly get more vertical and knowing where to stand on that board you know and, and that's whether it's a, a short or long board um is a good thing because it will help you milk as much out of that wave as you possibly can and obviously we want long rides that's that, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do so yeah trimming the board good stuff to know 
Well, thanks, Tez. I think that's a, a hell of a lot of really great information. But I think one of the biggest take-homes from what um, what I think you've said is is nothing can uh, nothing is more important than your own personal experience. So just going out and practice, 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 and feeling it. Um, yeah, definitely. Because there's so I many mean, things. Take I mean, we, things. Yeah. Yeah. Take take things slow. You know, don't don't rush into stuff. At the end of the day, particularly when it comes to surfing, take things slow. You know, get that experience under your belt. Um, and you'll be fine. You know, surfing. Okay, it, it's not nothing in this life is is hundred percent safe. Particularly when you start talking about sort of action sports. But you know, if you take things slow, be calculated about the way you do things in waves. You know, you'll be absolutely fine and 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 have a long and fulfilling career in surfing at the end of the day. Excellent. Well, Tez, once again, thanks so much for coming on and uh, we really appreciate all your insights and uh, SUPFM thanks you. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to SUPFM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you on...